Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 4th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that how much has just been going on. If you think about it, the summer is just quickly going by, and that you think about this is such a great time for rebuilding and just building within the church. And I know I've talked about this before, but again, I think it's a good thing to reiterate that this is such a great time to be able to look at that and to reflect and to move forward. And especially when we look at what we've discussed last week, which I'll go through in the Twitter question here in a moment. And when we look at this week, I think there's a lot of self-reflection that needs to go on. And it's very difficult reflection, but it's not that's where the growth comes in. Growth does not come from easy solutions. Growth comes from deep reflections and hard-hitting questions. And I think this week it really hits into that real hard. And especially think about, are we really being the best stewards as we possibly can? But before we get into that, I want to look back at last week's Twitter question. Like I kind of inferred here, it's going to lead really well into what we have this week. So the question was multiple fold last week is, what should we be asking? What are you seeking to find? Where do you need to knock to have the answers opened up to you? These are not easy questions. And to be honest with you, the text this week, I think, offers more questions than answers to this. And I think it's one of those questions when I ask something of along that nature, it's a lifelong journey to figure it out. I know for me, there's a lot of times where I am looking and searching and trying to find always what God is calling us to do with our lives. And when you think that you have found where God is calling you, it often means that then there's more work there to be figured out and to understand. And it's difficult. It's not easy. And I think it's one of the things that makes faith so empowering, but so difficult at the same time, because there is no easy answers. And I think let's get into this week's text and we'll reflect back a little bit on what we've talked about from these questions as we move forward. So the gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And this is then someone in the crowd talking to Jesus. And he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he has said to him, Jesus, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or an arbitrator over you? Take care, be on guard of all kinds of greed that are around him. And then he tells this parable about this rich man who is looking and seeing that there is no more room for him to store his crops. So he decides that he's going to tear down these barns and that that will then provide bigger barns. That he will have many days to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And God comes to him and says, you're a fool. That this night that he was taking him from this planet, and what is there? There is nothing for him to be taken. There is nothing there anymore. These things that he has stored up are gone. The first reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, verses 12 through 14, and chapter 2, verse 18 through 23. This continues along the same lines of what we kind of picked up here in the gospel reading 
of discussing vanity, discussing making sure that our vanity isn't getting in the way of us being with God. Because our own vanity can separate us and make us a fool instead of being wise. Our own vanity causes us to continue to work toward ourselves and not be able to take the time that we need, the rest that we need, the giving thanks that we need, all these things that just tear us apart if we don't give it time. The alternative first reading is from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. And this continues on that story that we had last week, where we look at that God does not forget us and does not leave us and does not abandon us. And yet, even when we treat ourselves poorly and treat God poorly, there is, yes, going to be a time for the ones that who have not given honor to God, that he will come back as a roaring lion-like figure and that that will cause us to tremble but yet he still loves us and he still tends for us and he still cares for us because he's continued to provide for us the psalm this week is psalm 49 verses 1 through 12 and it talks about that we're all in this together rich and poor high and low that the wisdom that God is providing is for all of us and that it brings us all together because it really doesn't matter. It's what matters to him is that we're giving him the time that he deserves, that there aren't going to be ways that we buy ourselves into this life. And then it causes us to question and make sure that we're in the right place, that we're not using the resources that we have acquired purely for our own gain, but for God's gain. The second reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And it reminds us here that through using the Apostle Paul, that we aren't supposed to be focusing on things of this earth, that they cause us to idolize things. They cause us to become fixated on these things and then not be able to give God the due credit that he deserves because of that. Because we have essentially given ourselves over to this other thing that he ended up creating anyways, and it's not worth our time. This is why I feel like the questions that we ask, that was asked last week, are so important. What are we looking for? What are we seeking? Where are we knocking to try to have answers provided to us? What questions are we asking? Are we asking the right questions? As I thought about these texts, and there was a couple really good things that I heard about this week in text study that I think it's really important to remember when we're looking at and deciphering these texts is that Luke is writing to a single rich individual. And he uses a lot of these poor and mighty images in contrast and what it means to really follow God. And I think it's one of the things that's really easy for us to fall into. And for my life, there's a couple examples that I know that I can use that relate really well to science. One, when I was working with a solar company, and we were looking at installing solar technologies over in Liberia, Africa. And in that time, it meant that we also had to figure out how we were going to train individuals over there so that they could service 
the solar panels so that we weren't constantly going over there for any issue that was going on. That we'd have a one-year check-in, see how they were understanding the system, and then essentially we're able to give that over to them. Not only giving them solar panels, but again giving them a job for some of these individuals to be able to forward their economy. But in that time, I was doing and editing video to help drum up support for these projects. And I remember looking into the little children's faces from the photographs that my boss had brought back for us to utilize in these videos and how much happier they appeared to be than me. How much I had been deceived by the aspect of that I had been told that they are poor. They were financially poor, but spiritually they were way more filled than I was. When I looked at their churches and heard the chorus singing, praise to God, I realized that I had been somewhat deceived in what was truly important. And I should have known better because to have a faith in science tie-in on this subject, that's so difficult for us to imagine and understand. Because most of us who are listening to this are in some type of developed country. And to be in a developed country, you are in a natural situation of privilege. And you can't really argue to me that you earn that privilege. Very few people do. Most of us were born into some type of situation where we were naturally ahead of much of the world's population. You didn't earn that. When I was in college, I had the privilege of listening to probably arguably one of the best thinkers of our generation. I had the privilege of listening to Bill Gates live. Let's be honest, there were multiple things from that conversation and speech that I will remember for the rest of my life and powerful things that Bill Gates was able to say. One of them was him talking about advising us to not do what he did. Talking about how he didn't know what a weekend was. He didn't know what a day off was. And in order to build the company of Microsoft to the world's power that it was in the late 90s and still is much in credit to what Bill Gates did today, he talked about the sacrifice that caused and how hard that was, not only for him physically, but his family, and how he didn't really get to have a family till late in his 30s. And he talked about, now with all this success, financial success, that he had discovered and been given the opportunity to, he talked about how difficult it really was. He talked about the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation. One of the biggest things that they have to wrestle with on a constant basis is trying to figure out how their money can impact the most possible people on this planet. So they have to listen to pitch after pitch after pitch, knowing that they're under a microscope for wherever they throw their money and understanding that they are trying to have the biggest impact possible on the human race. To me, as a young man, I look back and think about that and realize what he was trying to do exactly demonstrates what Luke's gospel here is discussing. We have been gifted on this planet with so many resources way beyond our own means. And one of the difficult things that I find with the human species, myself included, is that we like to collect things. We like to hoard things. We like to build up things. And if you look at the rest of the world's creation, I don't quite see it that way. Sure, a bird will build its nest, 
But at some point, it abandons that nest. It's time to leave the nest. And some nests, they build and build and build until they collapse. But they don't mourn that. They know that it's time to move on. They know that that gift has given its best to what they can do. We struggle with that. We want to keep and keep and keep and keep and keep until we can't keep anymore. So we're going to build bigger barns. It's one of the hard things within science is the divide between what we're seeing now as modern technology and natural science. The fight for resources, the fight for people, manpower, to be able to understand these different creatures that are out in the environment, to be able to comprehend the ecosystems in which we're in compared to having the technology to be able to build our own habitat, being able to just build whatever we feel needs to be done with very little consideration for anyone else outside of the human race. I'm a sports fan, and one of the things that I distinctly remember is when the U.S. Bank Stadium was being built in Minneapolis, where the Minnesota Vikings play. Big glass cathedral, getting nicknamed a cathedral for Sunday football. And that's another discussion for another day. But many bird advocates talked about how that was going to be a bird slaughter mill because of the glass because they couldn't tell that that wasn't open air. It has been. Many cities around this country have multiple big glass slaughter mills for our bird friends. Does it stop the construction? Does it stop us from really thinking about what is that gaining? Do we need to build it that way? Is that not vanity? Our own push to be able to be technologically advanced for our own good, has come at the cost of everything else on this planet. It's not just about you and me and the finances that we have individually, which is still very important, like Bill and Melinda Gates teach us, but it's also as a group of human beings, making sure that we're making wise decisions, not only for us, but for us as the collective good, as part of an ecosystem, not separate from it. This is why these readings are so hard-hitting and it's very difficult to look at them. But yet, I still see when we really look at and consider what we are doing with our own finances and really try to make an impact for others and making others more than just the, even the human race. Does God not recognize that? Does God not recognize us trying to think broader than ourselves? I think so. I think it's one of these things that we look at a Bill and Melinda Gates and look at the power that they are doing and how much impact that they're having on this world. We look at the people who dedicate themselves to pushing forward something to not only powerfully impact ourselves to look at people, not in the situations that we're in, but push us to consider our neighbors, whoever they may be, be it a homo sapien or otherwise. That's partially for me why this is such a powerful reading and how much I keep hounding some of these same points over and over again because we don't understand it. We don't understand when there is literally extinction clocks 
that when they're gone, we can't study them anymore. It's gone. And that becomes part of the problem within our human existence is us struggling and wrestling with the whole idea of death, our ability to fully understand death and what that means. And we wrestle and we have a hard time within our own heads being able to understand and comprehend that, much less when it comes to anything outside of us, and much less if it means making a sacrifice. Are we putting our treasures in the right places? What are our treasures? Are they glorifying God? Those three questions are your Twitter questions for the week. Thinking about those treasures and where are we putting them and is it the right place? Because to me, when I look at this place, it is a treasure. It is a gift. And the ability of the human mind to be able to wrestle with and comprehend and work to understand the vastness of which the place that we are living and beyond, to understand that we are a weird rock floating in some universe way beyond our full comprehension, that we are literally talking about multiple millions of years of light to be able to get to where we're at. And we have a hard time understanding the speed of light to begin with. What an amazing gift that is. I know it's something that I've brought up multiple times, and I just don't think we fully comprehend, myself included, how much we take advantage of the gift that we have been given. And when I start to look around at the rest of creation, they don't treasure these things that we create nearly as much. A beaver creates a dam and creates a place to live. But if it's washed away, it does not mourn. It realizes that it just needs to be rebuilt. And it just realizes that that's not something to put a huge fuss in. We love collecting, but when is the collecting enough? When are we going to actually take the resources in which we have and be able to make praise to God? He literally has made all these tools for us to create, to dance, to play, to understand. And I think in this reading, the and the real point of where I am trying to get back to is that we have to consider where's the thanks and what we're doing so the final question along with those other three is are you giving enough thanks and if not how are we going to change that we've been all given these different gifts be it financial or be it in other ways and we don't know how long that clock that we are playing with lasts so we better use it well so we'll wrap this up as we always do I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.